When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 408 of Sustainable Minimalists. What on earth is this show? It is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're identifying 10 cheat codes for a more peaceful, more easeful life. Now, what on earth is a cheat code? A cheat code is, well, it's a code used by gamers who play video games to advance levels, to get special powers, to just make their gaming experience more joyful. Now, I am not a gamer by any means, but I did grow up in the 90s, shout out to the 90s, Sega Genesis Baby, and specifically Sonic the Hedgehog. So if you know, you know, up, down, left, right, when you hear the chime, you press start. Again, if you know, you know, that's a cheat code. If you don't know, that's okay. It's not all that important because cheat codes for life is what we're talking about today, not cheat codes for gamers. And cheat codes for life are handy dandy little tips and tricks to help you navigate the game of life in a more easeful, more joyful, more peaceful way. So that's what we're doing today. I have 10 that we're discussing and then I have six honorable mentions. I should say the cheat codes I'm offering you today are all over the place. (laughs) Some are more theoretical, some are more practical, let's say. And so to keep things interesting, we're going to do a little pattern today. We're going to do a theoretical cheat code and then a practical one over and over again up until we hit all 10 and then we'll hit our six honorable mentions. My hope for you today is that Perhaps you don't enact all of these cheat codes into your life immediately, but perhaps you enact one or two that resonate most with you. So we're going to start today with a theoretical cheat code, and that, of course, is to seek out rejection. Why? Because it numbs you to that horrible feeling that we get when we're rejected. So seek out rejection. That's cheat code number one. We've all been rejected, right? It is a part of life. You don't get into the college you want to get into. The love of your life breaks up with you. You're picked last in gym class. Being rejected is the worst, whether it's a big thing, whether it's a little thing, or whether it's any of the things in between. Rejections can really sting. According to psychologists, rejection is what happens when we perceive 
that our relational value, so how much others value their relationship with us, when that relational value drops below some desired threshold. So what does that mean? That means that when we think others don't value us for whatever reason, that is rejection. Now, functional MRI scans compared brain activity in people who had experienced rejection with brain activity in people who had experienced physical pain. They found that many of the same regions of the brain lit up. That means that there's physical pain to be felt when we're rejected. Rejection literally hurts. Now, what about evolutionarily? Why did we develop this pain response to rejection? Well, back in the day, being rejected helped us survive, essentially, because rejection helped inform our behavior. So think about grabbing a boiling pot of water off the stove. If you were to grab the side of that pot and burn your hand, that pain would be a signal to tell you to let go of the pot so you don't continue to burn your hand. Same with rejection. When you feel the sting of rejection, that sends a signal that something's wrong with your social life, with your social well-being. And in prehistoric times, when we lived in groups and relied on our group for survival, being rejected from our social group could mean death, potentially. So rejection helped inform our behaviors. Let's be like everybody else so they don't reject us, because if they don't reject us, we can stay in the social group and hopefully stay alive. Now, fast forward to 2023. These days, for the vast majority of us, 99% of the time, rejection is not threatening our survival. Even so, our brains don't recognize that. Our brains are still wired to react as though rejection means potential death. Our brains do not easily tell the difference between rejections that matter and rejections that don't, right? So a rejection that matter is the love of your life broke up with you. A rejection that doesn't matter is nobody picked you to be on your works softball team at your latest outing, right? There's a big difference in the quality of the rejection there, but our brains don't easily tell the difference between the two unless we learn to consciously override our automatic reactions. And that's where our first cheat code today comes into play. Seek out rejection. Seek out opportunities for rejection because when you get rejected all the time, what you're really doing is you're teaching yourself to override your brain's automatic reaction to rejection. Now, studies show over and over again that we feel the same type of hurt whether the rejection is big or small. I read a very interesting study in which a group of people was rejected by a group that they didn't even want to be a part of. They didn't like the group. It was a reviled group. It was the Ku Klux Klan. So, In the study, the KKK rejected these people's memberships, and even though they hated the group and didn't want to be a part of it, the rejection, the act of being rejected, still hurt. So we need to override the wiring of our brains with regard to rejection. We need to get better at distinguishing which rejections actually matter and that we should care about 
versus the inconsequential kind. And the best way to do this is by boldly walking towards situations in which there's a good chance that you're going to be rejected, because only through rejection can you slowly but surely rewire your brain. So that's cheat code number one. Seek out rejection. Seek it out. Next up, cheat code number two. It's a practical one, and that is to sit on the floor more. (laughs) I know, so practical, right? For thousands of years, we human beings, we have rested on the ground, squatting, sitting cross-legged, kneeling, sleeping on the ground. And I should say too, many cultures around the world today still (laughs) sit on the floor, sleep on the floor, etc. Now, there are so many benefits to sitting on the floor instead of sitting on a chair. In yoga, sitting cross-legged on the floor That's how many, many a class starts. If you've ever taken a yoga class, it stretches muscles, improves posture and brings peace of mind while also potentially helping digestion. Anecdotal and clinical evidence have shown that sitting for a long time in any position, but especially in a chair, affects the structure of your low back, the lumbar region. It is believed that stress to the lumbar region might lead to health problems over time, including arthritis. And so health professionals are increasingly advising patients to sit on the floor more because it helps the natural curvature of your spine. It is also claimed that sitting on the floor will improve strength and flexibility and can help you avoid lower back pain. Now, there is a lot of strength and flexibility that's needed to get yourself up from off the floor, right? As opposed to getting up from a chair in which you're already kind of halfway up, right? And so when we think about getting older, a loss of the range of motion is a major factor as we age. And so sitting on the floor can be a very simple way to help retain that range of motion that's so important while also maintaining our strength and flexibility. I'm not saying sit on the floor all the time. I'm saying sit on the floor more. It can be as simple and easy as at the end of the night, you're watching TV. Maybe you sit on the floor uh, with your dog and pet your dog. That's all. So cheat code number two, sit on the floor more. Let's move on to number three, which is a theoretical one. And it's one that, oh my goodness, I have a lot to say about it. Listen to your heart more. This one's hard for me, guys. According to Oprah Winfrey, your heart is more than an organ inside your body. It is the essence of your spiritual and emotional well-being. And that is according to my girl, Oprah. When faced with a difficult decision or a conflict, your mind is just going to. It's going to do what it does. It's going to come up with numerous logical reasons why you should act the way your mind wants you to act. But if you listen to and trust your heart, even though it may seem illogical and even though it's likely irrational, Oprah Winfrey says it's usually going to lead you in the right direction in which you'll be happier as a result. Now, Oprah's not the only person to say this. Spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle, who is my boy, he says the same thing, by the way. If you're faced with a decision and your head says one thing and your heart says another and you just don't know what to do... Eckhart Tolle says, go with your heart. And the reason is, again, while the mind is the content of who you are, 
Your heart is your essence. Now, I am absolutely obsessed as of late with this question of heart versus head. (laughs) I am a head first person, if you haven't noticed. Always, always. My heart wants ridiculous things. And my head will always steer me in the rational choice where the probability of being hurt or being rejected, we just talked about, or being up the creek without a paddle, my head will never let those things happen to me, right? And so I always choose my head. But lately, I'm almost 40 years old, I've realized something. There's no fun in always choosing the rational choice. But even more, even deeper than that, is there's very little growth in always choosing my head and always choosing the rational choice. And what is life if not about growth, about growing? All right, Oprah and Eckhart, they you know, have made their points clear, but I was curious, well, what does psychology say about the head versus heart question? Is there any definitive answer here? Well, interesting enough, the answer is way more complicated than head or heart, this or that. The quality of our decision making has an awful lot to do, when we look at it through the lens of psychology, with whether we are under a time crunch or not. And so when we're under the gun, when there is a pressure to make a decision and make it quickly, so when we're under a time crunch and we then choose our heart, this tends to be a recipe for regret, okay? So when you are under a time crunch and you choose your heart, the probability of you regretting that decision later is higher. However, if time is not of a factor, so you have unlimited amounts of time to go back and forth, listen to your head, listen to your heart. You have so much time to make a decision, when time is not a factor, and then you choose your heart, this is where the probability for greatest success lies. Powerful stuff, right? Nobel Prize winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman says that there is a difference between fast thinking and slow thinking. Fast thinking, so when you're under a time crunch, is more affected by your emotional state than slow thinking. So not only are you more likely to choose your heart when you're under a time crunch, but you're also more likely to regret that decision. Not always, but more likely. The probability is higher. So when you have the opportunity to be thinking slow, when you have the opportunity for slow thinking, when time is not of a factor, and you still don't know in those situations, head or heart, Those are the situations when, if you choose your heart, the probability for that being the right choice is greater. So my take-home message here, as someone who very rarely, if ever, follows her heart, (laughs) is to listen to your heart more, but especially when you're in that slow thinking mode and have ample time to weigh pros and cons of the decision at hand. So we're going to have two ad breaks today just because I have an awful lot to say. We're going to take our first one, but when we come back, we're going to talk about a very practical cheat code for life, and that's about using an alarm clock. I will see you in one hot minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. 
As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed three cheat codes with regard to rejection, sitting on the floor, and listening to your heart more. Now we're on to cheat code number four. It's a practical one, and it is to use an alarm clock, not your phone. So practical, right? So practical. (laughs) Like many people, I have a not-so-great habit of scrolling through my phone in bed before I fall asleep. I'm trying to break it. I'm trying so hard, I promise. And if you use your phone as your alarm clock, you're just extending the misery, aren't you? You're picking up your phone first thing when your eyes pop open, and then you're going to check your apps and your social media and your email and maybe even your work email all within the first five minutes of waking up. My cheat code number four for you is to use an alarm clock like it's year 2000 again, not your phone. You may very likely notice a genuine improvement in your mood. You may very likely notice decreased anxiety. And if you don't grab your phone first thing in the morning, you can seize the day rather than allowing the day to seize you. Another benefit, if you have a partner, if you have somebody sleeping next to you, you may very likely be paying more attention to them (laughs) before bed and in the morning, which is a big problem in the 21st century, isn't it? Fubbing, we're ignoring the people in our life that we love in favor of picking up our phone. It's all happened to us and it doesn't feel good. So let's not do it to our partners. Let's leave our phones away from our beds. I'll say here too, before we move on to our next cheat code, that too much of anything is a bad thing. Too much sugar, too much wine, too much exercise, too much sleep, heck, even too much love sometimes 
You know, you'll be smothered. Too much of anything is a bad thing. And so we know this. We put restrictions on ourselves. We restrict our sugar intake and our wine intake. We exercise, but we don't exercise for 20 hours a day, right? Why are we not restricting our cell phone use? We need to put restrictions back on ourselves so that we get back our precious moments, at least before sleeping and after waking up. Put restrictions on yourself. Use an alarm clock, not your cell phone. Cheat code number five, we're onto it. It's more theoretical in nature, and it is to learn how to accept praise and compliments. We live in a world with microaggressions, macroaggressions, judgment, blame, shame, and downright evil, don't we? In this world of all of that, praise and compliments are little rays of light, little glimmers of light and love. A compliment is a gift. And so we, the compliment receivers, need to learn how to treat them as such. If someone gave you a beautifully wrapped present, it had a beautiful bow, perfect wrapping paper, all the creases were nice, it looked just gorgeous. If someone gave you that present and you opened it, would you open that present and then try and diminish the physical gift? Would you say, oh, I don't really like this, though. I don't need this. Or, oh, no. No, you wouldn't because that's rude. You would say, thank you. And so when someone gives you a compliment, the first thing out of your mouth should be thank you. Not, oh, this old thing, right? Us women, our days of being modest and humble, those days are over. Let's instead be bold and proud and say, thank you. Whether we believe the compliment is genuine or not, who cares? The correct response is thank you. You can then follow up your thank you with a comment if you'd like, if you feel it's necessary, like, oh, thank you for complimenting my dress. It has pockets. Or thank you, I got it at the thrift store. Or thank you. But the key here is that thank you needs to be the first thing out of your mouth. (laughs) Not only is saying thank you the right thing to do, it makes the giver of the compliment feel more comfortable, right? And that is important. Like, let's think about a time when you gave a compliment and the person just brushed it under the rug. How did you feel as a compliment giver? That was awkward, right? Like you said, oh, I love your new hairdo. And somebody said, oh, I don't know. I don't like the bangs. Like, how did that make you feel as a compliment giver? Was it going to make you more likely to give, more or less likely to give a compliment to that same person in the future, right? And so saying thank you makes the giver who just did something nice feel better and more comfortable. It also makes you seem more confident and more self-assured. And so even if you don't believe the compliment, even if you don't think the compliment was genuine, you still need to start off your response with a thank you. All right, that's number five. Let's move on to number six. Another practical one. When in doubt, write it down. Oh man, we forget a lot of things, right? Our brains are forgetful. By nature, we forget where we put our keys. We forget that great idea that came to us when we were in the shower. I often get thoughts that pop into my head and 
it's either a great idea for a podcast episode or it's a great little tidbit I want to stick in an episode. And then I say to myself, oh yeah, that idea is so great. I'm definitely going to remember it. There's no way I'm going to forget it. Well, guess what? Very rarely do I remember those good thoughts or ideas. Very rarely do they turn into podcast content. (laughs) And that's because we all forget stuff, don't we? Let's go ahead right now and reframe forgetfulness from being this annoying thing that happens to us all, but especially more as we age. Let's reframe it from that to what neuroscientists suggest is the real truth about what forgetfulness really is, which is that forgetfulness is a brain safety mechanism that protects us from information overload. So it's not a failure of memory. Forgetfulness is actually a deliberate weakening of the synapses that encode recollections. So this weakening of the synapses It does make old memories harder to access. Absolutely. Therein lies the forgetfulness. However, the weakening of the synapses also gives us a gift. It gives us the most recent and relevant information with which to make decisions. This is super favorable to us as human beings with brains, right? And so our brain is always synaptic pruning, if you will cutting back the hedges, right? Getting rid of old information, aka weakening the synapses to make room for new information. And that's because the aim of intelligence is to help us, you and me, make decisions quickly, make good decisions quickly. To do that, we have to, our brains have to, prune the synapses. Forgetting where you put your keys That is part of the critical brain process of synaptic pruning, getting rid of information that in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter all that much to make room for more recent and potentially way more important information. So I want you to remember that your brain is faster and more powerful than any supercomputer that has been invented, full stop. However, our Super powerful and fast brains need our conscious and intentional help. So get in the habit of helping your brain by writing things down. Maybe you write it on a note on your phone. Maybe you carry around a little notebook. But get in the habit of writing down good ideas or good thoughts or ideas that you want to perhaps meditate on later. Get in the habit of writing down because doing so is helping your brain synaptic prune. All right, so we're going to take our second and final ad break. And then when we come back, we have three more cheat codes to get through and six honorable mention cheat codes. So I will see you in a minute. And we're back. Before this second break, we talked about using an alarm clock. We talked about accepting praise and compliments the right way. And we also talked about how our brain synaptic prunes and why we all need to help our brains by writing stuff down. We're moving on to cheat code number seven, which I'm going to be honest with you is a cheat code I live by. I'm going to be honest and vulnerable and say cheat code number seven is my secret trick for getting through this crazy and difficult life. And that is to fake it till you make it. Now, I know 
There's some controversy over this one, but I do believe, I attest that if you use the fake it till you make it advice the correct way, it can and will change your life. So what is the correct way to fake it till you make it? Well, in certain situations, if you act as if, what you're really doing is you're understanding that it's easier to act yourself into feeling better than it is to think yourself into feeling better. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the absolute wrong way to fake it till you make it is when we pretend to know something that we definitely don't know. So fake it till you make it used wrong is when you tell everyone you know how to fly a plane and try to fly it, even though you have no aviation knowledge. (laughs) That is fake it till you make it used incorrectly. Fake it till you make it used correctly I find often works best with regard to confidence. Faking confidence usually leads to actually being more confident. And so in terms of cheat code number seven, I want you to act, to always act like you belong in any situation. Because when you pretend to be confident, you will become confident. If you're nervous in situations, especially if you are nervous in social situations, I want you to try something. I want you to strut in with your shoulders back and your head held high and see how that feels. And make sure you also, by the way, have a smile on your face because the act of smiling is proven to affect your levels of cortisol, which we're going to talk about in a minute, dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. These are all biochemical factors associated with happiness. So you could be smiling and it could be a fake smile, but on the inside, the simple act of smiling is affecting your level of happiness. These chemicals can then cascade and create that positive feedback loop of happiness. Because these endorphins are produced whether you're faking that smile or not. And then these chemicals, these hormones, will then send a signal back to your brain to produce more of these happiness-inducing chemicals. So when we're faking it till we make it in the right way and not in a potentially dangerous, potentially sociopathic, potentially narcissistic way... Fake it till you make it. Shoulders back, head held high, smile, faking that confidence even if we don't have it. You will get the confidence and the happiness that has up until then eluded you. So fake like you got it and you'll get it. Okay, cheat code number eight is to delay coffee for one or up to two hours after waking up. Now, if you're like me, you rely on that coffee for your daily boost of energy. Most of us, the first thing we do when we get out of bed, we go to the kitchen, we brew the coffee. But did you know? I did not know. I'm telling you. There is a better time to brew your morning cup of coffee to get the biggest jolt and the biggest health benefits. It should not be the first thing you drink when you wake up. It should be an hour or two after you wake up. And this is because in the hour after you wake up, your body's production of cortisol is at one of its three daily peaks. Now, what is cortisol? Cortisol is the stress hormone, and it is secreted in higher amounts when you're feeling strain or tension or stress. An hour after you wake up, is at one of its three peaks of the day. And so consuming caffeine in the moment when your cortisol levels are high teaches your body over time 
to produce less cortisol. Who knew? We want less cortisol in our lives. We want less stress, less strain, less tension. And so drinking coffee an hour later after you wake up is a great way to teach your body to do that. And another really quick unrelated benefit to waiting an hour or two to drinking your coffee is you will have more energy in the afternoon when energy levels tend to fall. Okay, two more. Let's do it. Cheat code number nine is simple, but we all need the reminder, and that is to just be nice. (laughs) It costs you nothing, but it's worth a lot. We've all heard the saying, and as a beekeeping family, I know it to be true. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Niceness gets you everywhere. There's benefits to the people you're being nice to, of course. Again, this world is mean and gets you down and drags you through the mud, but we all have opportunities, infinite opportunities, I would say, every single day to add little glimmers of joy, hope, happiness, light into others' lives simply by being nice. It's the right thing to do. Being nice is the right thing to do. It also gives personal benefits. I'm sure you have countless examples from your own life in which being nice gets you more stuff, right? Fees waived, free food, a month free of this service, right? Being nice gets you what you want. Being nice also gives you boosts in happiness. That's what research says. The more kind activities you do, the greater the boost of happiness you feel will be. And just observing acts of kindness will have positive effects on your happiness. So if your friend is being nice to the waitress at lunch on your lunch date, you're going to feel a boost of happiness. So what's the take home here? We all need to be nicer. Even if we think we're nice people, we can all be nicer and make the world a happier, more joyful, more light-filled place. So be nice. Next time you feel frustrated, next time you're mad at your internet provider because the internet gets going down and you call that nameless, faceless person who's somewhere in the world and they're the customer service person and you just want to take out your frustration and anger on them because what the heck, your internet's not working. Take a breath and just be nice. And then finally, this is for the parents out there. Cheat code number 10 is to compliment your children the right way. Say you are a hard worker as opposed to you're smart. Here in America, we worship talent, right? And God-given gifts, don't we? Many of us believe that having superior intelligence or superior ability, pair that with confidence, and that is the recipe for success, right? We believe that. However, 35 plus years of scientific investigation say something much different. Research says that an overemphasis on intellect or talent or God-given gifts, let's say, overemphasizing all of that leaves people fearful of challenges, leaves people unwilling to remedy their shortcomings. Studies also find that kids who think they're hard workers outperform kids who think they're smart. So compliment your children with, you're a hard worker, instead of, you're smart. Because teaching our kids to have a growth mindset 
encourages them to focus on the process, which can be difficult, right? The process, whatever the process is, can be long and can be hard. So encouraging that growth mindset encourages them to focus on the process rather than their intelligence or their talent or their God-given gifts. We want them to be high achievers in school and in life, and doing so starts by fostering within them a growth mindset that's focused on hard work and perseverance, not God-given gifts. Wow, what an episode. Well, we still have honorable mentions to get through, and these are cheat codes that came to me on the internet, came to me in life, and I wanted to mention, so we're just going to really quickly mention them, and then we're going to move on with our lives. I got six of them. Honorable mention cheat code number one is, remember that introverts think, then talk, while extroverts think while they talk. And as an extrovert, I know that to be true. We're not going to talk about it. Just leave it there. Introverts think, then talk. Extroverts think while they talk. Number two, stay away from the energy vampire gossipers because they're very likely also gossiping about you. Number three, you will never be as young as you are right this minute as you're listening to my voice. So do what you feel like you're meant to do. Please, by the way, go back and listen to my episode with Joe Huff and Bridget Hilton. It was episode 402, Building Experiential Wealth. If you need a little push, that episode was, I mean, I'm biased, but it was A++. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Number one, two, three. Number four, be in rooms where you're the dumbest person. Number five, remember that the only way out is often through. So when you feel an emotion that's not desirable, don't numb it because you'll just be making it worse later. Don't numb it. The only way out is through. And finally, diversify your friend group. Have some of those soul level sisterhoods, have some surface level acquaintances, and have everything in between because every type of friendship has something to offer you. That is our show today, and holy moly, it's a long one. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 408. A big thank you to the 10 or so of you who left Apple Podcast reviews in the last week. I really, genuinely, from the bottom of my soul, appreciate it. And if you haven't left a review yet, you can too. Thank you so much. If you like episodes like this, you want more like this, please email me, let me know. I will see you tomorrow for headlines. As always, reach out if you need me. This show is for you and I am here for you. See you tomorrow and take care.